Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The message for this final Sunday in the month of July, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, rises up out of what we heard in the Gospel reading, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray from Luke chapter 11. So I just returned from our Synod's Convention this past week in Tampa, Florida, the 67th regular convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. It was a privilege of mine to attend, although truthfully I would have rather been here for vacation Bible school, but nevertheless, it is a privilege to be elected to serve as our circuit's pastoral delegate. It's been a long time since I've served in that role. Last time was 18 years ago in 2001. It is an honor to be elected to serve in this way. Now, contrary to what people might think about a convention, it is not always such a tame and peaceful event. There can be strong disagreement. There can be heated debate among delegates on the floor. I probably added to that in some small way. We are united under the doctrine of Scripture, the revealed Word of God, Jesus Christ himself being the key to that Word, and the clear exposition of that Scripture through the Lutheran confessions. Nevertheless, even with this understanding, this foundation, there are widely different opinions about church and ministry. This was the theme from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, a few verses there, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is a powerful and appropriate theme, that tripartite understanding, rejoice, pray and give thanks. Well, delegates to the convention were crystal clear about why they were there, why we were there, namely to do the Lord's work in the church at large for the next three years, the next triennium. And this was the theme that guided us. Now, despite disagreements and debates the bottom line is that we are united under the banner of God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ that comes to us through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's important to keep in mind when it gets on toward late in the afternoon. Everybody is tired of sitting. Everybody's hungry and ready for the session to end. Meanwhile, some delegate is just up there on and on. And it is in such moments like that that we are upheld and strengthened in prayer. The entire convention before, during, as well as after is bathed and has been bathed in prayer. Prayer for God's wisdom and guidance to lead our church body. 
prayer for those elected to positions of leadership, prayer that we would faithfully and boldly carry the good news of Jesus out into the world, the world which God dearly loves, the world for which God gave the life of his only son. Lots and lots of prayer. More on the convention, though, at a later time. It is prayer that we hear about in that gospel lesson for today, Old Testament lesson as well, as Abraham prays, intercedes for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. In that gospel lesson, the request of the disciples is, Lord, teach us to pray. And that becomes the theme for preaching. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Now Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray like John was teaching his disciples. And so Jesus gave to them the model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, Luke's version is a streamlined version with only five petitions as compared with Matthew's version with the traditional seven petitions that we are more familiar with. But in teaching us to pray, is Jesus giving us a word-for-word -word mandatory recitation? Or is he giving us an example a pattern of how we should pray. The words of the Lord's Prayer are not magic words that simply by uttering them, we will somehow bend God to do our will. Doesn't work that way. How many times have we thoughtlessly prayed the words of the Lord's Prayer with really, without even thinking about it? Are we guilty of just sort of going through the motions? I know I have been, and I'm sure you as well. And so Jesus' words convict us, drawing from the prophet Isaiah, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Yes. We have all been guilty of thoughtlessly praying these petitions, and it is also in prayer that we come before the Lord confessing the shallowness of our faith, asking God's forgiveness for Jesus' sake. And we believe that for Jesus' sake, God, who is gracious and merciful, who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, does indeed forgive all of our sins as far as the East is from the West. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so being thus forgiven, you and I, we are called now to grow in prayer. So let us take that beloved Lord's prayer and slow it down. We're not in some kind of race to see who can get through praying the Lord's Prayer as fast as we can. It may be a helpful thing to slow down 
to pause after each petition and reflect on what we are in fact praying for. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. In the hurry, the, the hectic world that we live in, taking our time in prayer may be exactly what we need here. At the heart of prayer is the relationship that God has established with us, a relationship where God proclaims that for Jesus' sake, we are valued, we are loved, we are forgiven, not because of who we are, not because of what we can do. We are valued, we are loved, we are forgiven because God takes the initiative to do all of this even when we were dead in our trespasses, as Paul writes in that epistle reading for today from Colossians chapter two. The relationship doesn't begin with us, it begins with what God in Christ has done for us. And that relationship begins even as it did this morning for Kaylee Lynn in the cleansing waters of holy baptism, where God claims us as his own, where he washes our sin away, where he marks us with the cross of his own beloved son, sealing us with the Holy Spirit for life eternal, flowing out of this baptismal covenant, this relationship of grace, Prayer begins, and in prayer, it is the Lord who makes the first move. You see, we don't pray to move Jesus. Through prayer, Jesus moves us. And Jesus, in through the, the thoughts and the words that we have in Jesus' name we bring to the Father's throne knowing that our Heavenly Father in our prayers does indeed hear our prayers. He is always more ready to listen than we are to pray and trusting that our Father truly wants what's best for his children. But what about those times in life when there is great distress and heartache? When there's deep trouble and everything seems a jumbled up mess? We've all had periods like that. And in such times, it can be very difficult to know even what we're praying for. How do we put all of this into words to express it in prayer to the Father. When words fail us, people of God, hold fast to the promise of the Lord that we do not know how to pray as we ought, as Paul the Apostle tells us, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs, with groanings too deep for words. 
So that jumbled up mess of distress and heartache and trouble and loss, when we just can't get it straight up here, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, takes all of that and intercedes in our behalf before the throne of God. That is a powerful and comforting promise. For Jesus' sake, who suffered and died as the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins, the relationship which we have with our Father is not based on fear, fear of rejection, fear of condemnation. It is a relationship based on grace. It is a relationship based on love. And after teaching his disciples to pray, Jesus, in the gospel lesson for today, tells two brief stories, both of which are rooted in relationship. So, a friend comes to your house in the middle of the night, knocking, knocking, knocking at your door because a friend of his has come into town and it's the middle of the night. He got nothing at home to feed his friend. What do you do? Well, the friend says, look, it's the middle of the night. The door is shut and locked. Everybody's settled in bed already. Go somewhere else, figure it out. But that friend keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. Ever had a situation like that? Maybe it's not the actual knocking, but maybe it's the phone ringing in the night, and there it is. You don't really feel like getting up to help, even though it's your friend, because it's an inconvenience, but you do it anyway, because that's what friends are for, especially in time of need. Because of that friend's impudence, and I don't think that's really the best word, I think a better word here would be boldness. Because of that friend's boldness in coming to you and pounding on your door in the middle of the night, you're going to get up and give him whatever he needs. So Jesus, too, invites us to be bold in our prayers, not timid or fearful, but as Luther says, as dear children ask their dear father. And then Jesus gives us those wonderful and encouraging words that we hold on to in prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now it's interesting to note, in John's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants or slaves, I call you friends. The servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends because everything that I have heard from the Father, I have spoken to you. And that speaks volumes that we can come to our friend, Jesus, 
anytime, any place, anywhere, the middle of the night, with our pounding at his door with the needs that we have. He invites us to do that very thing. Because our relationship to Jesus, our friend, is rooted in forgiveness, in mercy, in love, we trust that even when we do not receive what we've asked for, that only means he has something even better to bestow on us. And who among us has never received everything they've asked for? I didn't say that right, but you know what I mean. All right. Even Jesus, in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, Father, remove this cup from me. Was that cup removed? Nope. But he went on in that prayer, yet not what I will, but your will be done. It's not easy to turn all of what we want over to the Lord in prayer that his will be done. But that is what we're called to do, trusting that through that, the Lord will bestow something even better upon us. And then Jesus' second story about gifts that a, a father would give his son, a mother would give to her daughter, uh, a fish, not a serpent, an egg, not a scorpion, fish, eggs. These are things that people would eat. So Jesus is saying, if the kid's hungry, you're going to give him some kind of junk? You're going to give him something that's bad for him? No. You're going to give your child what is good. And if that's true with our earthly parents, how much more true is it with our heavenly Father? As Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Spirit who calls us, who keeps us in this one true faith. Truth is, no matter what our station in life may be, no matter how many years we have walked this earth, we are always in need of growing, developing in our prayer life. And so we, like those first disciples, also say to Jesus, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray. Lord, help us that our prayers may flow out of what you have first said to us in your word. Lord, help us to pray for the things that are in accordance with your will and purpose, what you want for us. Lord, help us to submit our plans, our agendas, our timetable over to you, trusting that our Heavenly Father wants 
only what is good for us. Lord, open our eyes to see the gifts that you've already freely given to us. Lord, help us like Abraham of old to intercede with all boldness, not only for our needs, but the needs of others. Lord, help us to be patient for your gracious plan to unfold in our lives. Lord, help us to be persistent in prayer, not giving up, but to persevere even when we do not receive what we have asked for. Lord, help us above all to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, help us to trust that what you have said to the psalmist long ago, we believe today the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Rejoicing in that saving relationship that God and Christ has established with us, we say, Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, your spirit, your soul and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.